Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms. It's my privilege and my passion to share tips and tools to make your journey easier. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to finish up our topic of hospitality. Now before you turn off the podcast and say, whoa, I don't want to hear this, forget it. Let me encourage you that it's easier than you think. And I want to give you some good tips about how you can do this, no matter how many kids you have and no matter what the ages of your kids are. First of all, don't feel like you need a house beautiful home before you can invite people over. If I had waited, I would never have the blessing of all the wonderful people we've had into our home all these years because I still don't have a house beautiful home. Now, we fixed up our house. It was a fire-damaged house, and, you know, we've had stuff to do all along the way. Um, and it's just, it's not a newer home. You don't need to fix a complicated meal either. You know, I loved using a crock pot when we'd have company over. And in the morning, I'd, like, put a roast in with carrots and potatoes, and, hey, most of your meal's done right there. Do maybe one more vegetable and a dessert and you got it um, be sure to let your kids help with the preparation and serving too depending on the age of your kids we talked more about this last podcast but if you've got all tiny kids you're going to have to do most of it yourself but you can as they get older let them do more and more and more and the more your kids invest in serving others the more their heart will grow toward having a heart of service to others. You do it so your kids can bless others, but it's going to bless them too. And it's going to bless you when you see how your kids carry that over when they're adults. So be sure to let them help you. So I'm gonna share with you 10 ways you can bless people by opening up your home to them. First of all, Adopt a college kid or a single person. We happen to live in a college town where we have a lot of kids who come to town for four years and then move on. Through the years, we've looked for kids who might enjoy a home-cooked meal or being around a family every now and then. And we found that many did and invited them into our home. Many live far away and they don't get to go home for Thanksgiving. We like to check around and see if there are any each year who need a place to celebrate and a good meal to eat. We've done that at Easter, too. We, uh, you know, we celebrate on the cross and the resurrection for Easter, but we do have a simple little egg hunt in the woods and a candy hunt. And we place the eggs and the kids go look for them in the woods, and we've invited college students to help do that, you know, to come and be a part of it, look for eggs. We've made a lot of friendships with so many great people. It's kind of sad because they move on and go other places, but you can keep in touch with them. And sometimes they come back to visit years later, or sometimes you can just keep up with them and see what God is doing in their life. Many find it interesting to see what a large family, what life is like in a large family. We have so many adopteds, kids who become specially close to members of our family and therefore came to our house on a regular basis. And lifelong friendships are built. I think of one young man who was friends with our older boys. He 
few years ago moved back to our town with his wife and six children, and he's still a part of our family. Um, it's just, it's amazing. He was around when our son Josh was still living, so he got to know our son Josh who died of leukemia, and now we can be a part of his family and his kids, and it's a super blessing. We need to have them over even more. They actually ended up moving to our road, further on down our road. It's just, it's incredible. Check for single people. You might not live in a college town, but there's a lot of single people or single moms who have extra struggles, and they often need somebody to take them under their wing. Single people don't often get invited to couple events, and they need special relationships with married people and with families. We have very special, some very special singles who we consider to be part of our family as well. We've got one dear friend who's probably in her, she might be late 40s by now. She's never been married. We consider her family. We invite her to our Christmas celebration. We invite her often. We invite her to family nights. When kids have birthdays, they want her to come. She's just been a part of our family. So look for people like that. It's not hard to find. There's so many single people today. There's so many single moms trying to raise families and struggling to do that. So invite them into your home. Another thing you can do is invite large families. There's another family in our church that has 14 kids, and that's unusual. We were unusual. So we invited them over because I know they don't get many invitations. I can promise you that they don't. So we invited them over. We need to do that again. But look for people that you can be a blessing to. There are so many people who kind of, I don't know, get left out of social circles. Look for those people and invite them into your home. Have, during holidays, have some special opportunities to invite a lot of people in your home. We always have a Christmas open house. Holidays are a great time to open up your home. Years ago, we started doing a bonfire Christmas party and we invited people to sing Christmas carols. We invited our pastor to do a devotional and then we enjoyed soups and breads and yummy desserts and it became an annual tradition. People enjoyed coming, and we wanted to invite those people, but we wanted to invite some other people and reach out to people we hadn't had before. And the occasion started getting way too large because our home, like I say, is not very big. So for a few years, we added Christmas open houses, we call them, during the season as well, where we invite folks to come, bring a snack or a dessert to share, and we have a lot of wonderful Christmas foods and we might sing some Christmas carols and just enjoy the Christmas season together. There was one year, several Christmases ago, that we had 250 people through our home in one week. And you don't have to do that, but at the time I had a lot of teenage girls who liked doing the prep and liked making the house look pretty and the table look pretty and that was something we could do. We don't do that now. We do our annual bonfire, and the girls come back home and help me. But, you know, if you've got older girls who enjoy entertaining, open up your home and do it. At Independence Day, that's one of our favorite events, and we do a big cookout, 
And ever since I did research for For You They Signed, about the 56 signers of the Declaration, we've tried to add a more focused meaning to our annual July 4th cookout. We pass out readings to our guests about what the signers of the Declaration believed about Jesus Christ and sacrifices they made for our freedom. One of our sons reads the Declaration of Independence or Patrick Henry's speech to the signers. We often have a story for kids. Many years our kids would dress up and do a play or they presented a play one year. That was my favorite. They dressed up as signers of the Declaration of Independence and memorized some of the exact words that the signers said. And we put on a little play for the guests. We've done different things every year. We sometimes had a pinata for kids or sack races or yard games, a cookout, watermelon, lots of food. My son Nate often dresses up like Uncle Sam and passes out candy to the kids. Sometimes we have a veteran share as well, the experiences of his life. And this past year, we invited our new neighbors who moved in behind us. And we had met them before. And Mike had told Rick that he wasn't really interested in history because, I don't know, Rick had just asked him offhand if he was interested in history. But they came down to our 4th of July celebration, and he was just engrossed. We passed out some of the sayings of the signers and what they sacrificed for our freedom to him. And he was a part of it. He read them like everyone else. And he was just amazed. He said, I have never been to anything like this in my life. He said, I like this kind of history. You know, hearing about real people and what they did and what they sacrificed, he just, he was amazed. He came back down later and Rick loaned him one of our books that he reads for Uncle Rick audios about Francis Scott Key. You know, he was just, it kind of opened his eyes to, to how history can be fascinating. And history is fascinating if you learn about people, real people, and real people's lives. So we try to make holidays, and I'm trying to incorporate more and more holidays. I'd like to do Flag Day, I'd like to do Memorial Day, and make them what they're really about. Instead of just eating food, which you want to eat food, but you want to also make it a part of what the real holiday is all about. So that we remember these special times that we have as a country. Sunday night get-togethers. Years ago, we started inviting people from our church to our home every Sunday night. And as our oldest kids approached their teenage years, I think that's when we started doing that. And dad would make pancakes for a while. Sometimes he did omelets and he'd ask people, you know, what they wanted in their omelet or if they wanted blueberries in their pancakes. It was a fun time. Then our family began to grow, and the kids got boyfriends, girlfriends, got married, and we continued the tradition of inviting folks from the church as well. But once the grandkids got to a certain age, it became really difficult to do Sunday nights anymore because Sundays are a hard time for little kids anyway. Their schedule's crazy. They might have missed their afternoon nap. They're fussy. So we switched our schedule to Friday family night. And we still do that. We are flexible because sometimes other things come up and we switch it to another night of the week. But we love our Friday family night. And we, everybody brings a dish. We have supper together. So nobody does all the work. Everybody contributes. I love to play with the grandkids. And they love being with their cousins. 
and it provides a good time for our kids to catch up with their brothers and sisters and their families. And there's over 40, I don't even know, 46, 40-something 40 of us now. And not everybody makes it all the time, but that's okay. It kind of changes the nature of who you get to talk to. And, um, you know, if, if someone's got sickness in the family, they stay home. So it kind of, there's an ebb and flow, it changes, but it's fun. And we've continued that tradition, and it's amazing. A widower's dinner. We go to a large church, and there are quite a few widowers in it. These are men who used to enjoy their wives cooking, who all of a sudden lose her, and they have to begin cooking for themselves. And wow, you know, some of them are so overwhelmed by that. They don't even know how to turn the oven on. They don't know how to make any kind of meal. They just end up buying a frozen dinner and figure out how to turn the oven on and cook that, you know, for supper. And they so appreciate. Plus, they're lonely, and we love to question them about their lives, and we've learned so much from them. We always will pack up the leftovers and send them home with food so they have another meal or two, and they so appreciate that. Um, it is so, it is such a blessing to be able to do that for them. Sometimes we'll bring them a pie or a chocolate cake to church or we'll go visit them and we'll bring them, um, well recently I visited one widower from church and I happened to find an old church cookbook from years ago with recipes that his wife had contributed. So I made a couple recipes that his, were his wife's recipes and brought them over for him. And he so appreciated that. It was so much fun. Sometimes I'll pick up a grandchild and we'll go bring someone a pie or bring someone cookies or just visit them. They so much appreciate having somebody to talk to. It's been said that when an old person dies, a library is lost. And it's, that has been our experience. There's so much wisdom of life that can be learned from these guys. It's, it's amazing. We have not done a widow's dinner, but we need to do that. That's in process. We want to start doing that. But we just, I guess our heart kind of went out to these widowers. We knew so many of them. A lot of them were veterans, and we wanted to ask them about their experience in the wars. Um, but the fact that they are so challenged having to cook. You know, sometimes they'll just eat a sandwich or something because they don't want to cook. And sometimes some of our girls have just brought a meal to them. You know, I'm going to bring a meal to Mr. So-and-so this week. Just to be a blessing to them. And bring enough that they can have several meals out of it. Or freeze some and pull it out of the freezer. Our book character in action is packed full of ideas. It shows pictures of some of these widower dinners that we have done. Sometimes we do it for several widowers. Sometimes we do it for one. And we try to make them feel special. We take pictures of them with the kids or the grandkids. We talk to them about their life. We learn about their life. It's just, it is a sweet, sweet, sweet time. If they are elderly and they can't drive, then Rick will pick them up and he'll take them home. But we want them to be able to come. Visiting missionaries that come to town. We've made it a priority over the years to extend our home and invite them over for a meal. And boy, what a blessing that has been. And boy, you never run out of anything to talk about when you invite missionaries into your home. Ask them about their experiences in the field. Ask them 
what made them decide to be a missionary. Ask them about their ministry and people that they minister to, how they came to choose that, how people respond to the gospel in the area of the, the world where they're ministering. And we've established some real long-lasting relationships with many missionaries. Some have even become like adopted grandparents for our children. New people at church. Have you ever shopped for a church to attend? It can be such a lonely experience because you don't feel connected to any particular part of the church body. We've done it a few times, and I think that's made us more sensitive to others in that position. The church we're at now, we've been at many years, but before we settled there, we were shopping around. As I said, we live in a college town, and there are a lot of families that come in for a few years to go to school, and they're looking for a temporary church home. So we try to invite newcomers into our home. Even if they don't come back you know, and decide to join our church, still let them be welcome into your home. And they have somebody that they can feel connected to. Something that we call Barton Nights. Our family's been incredibly blessed by the ministry of David Barton of Wall Builders. And if you don't know about him, check it out. He talks about the godly heritage of our country. We have learned so much from him. But years ago, we bought his set of DVDs called American, American Heritage. Anyway, we bought his DVDs, and we were watching one, and we thought, wow, others would benefit from hearing this too. So for a while, we opened our home every Tuesday night, and we called it Barton Night. And we invited other families to watch the DVDs with us, and then we discussed them. We discussed how we could put into practice what we were learning from him. We provided refreshments or we'd had others bring them, but all had a great time. I highly recommend it. Then we, we watched other things that were a blessing too, maybe some preachers or sermons or something like that and invite others in our home to do that with us. There was a period of time where we had a dear older friend who loves to pray and we invited him over and we were talking about, you know, we don't really know some of our neighbors so he encouraged us to kind of canvas our neighborhood and go around and knock on the doors and ask, tell people, you know, we're the Boyers. Is there anything we can pray about, anything you're going through that we can pray for you? And we did that for a period of time, and people were so open to saying, yeah, you know, you can pray about this situation or pray about this situation. And then we'd go around and we'd check on them, and, and this older friend would come over and some other people too, and we would pray on Tuesday nights for those families. We'd go around, we'd knock on the door, we'd check on them, and then we'd come back here, go to our downstairs, get on our knees, and pray for those needs of our neighborhood. And that's been a lot of years ago, but you know, we find even now when families in our neighborhood are going through special challenges, they will call us up and they will say, will you come pray with us? We had just recently, um, someone across the street, their dad was dying, and the mom called us and she said, would you come pray with him? And we did that, and then a few months later, the mom died, and we went over and we prayed with the kids, and you know, they were so torn up because they'd lost both their parents. But you know, you can build friendships through prayer. People, you know, when they've got a struggle they're going through, they call you first and they ask you to pray for them, and it's such a privilege, and it opens up a way to share the gospel with them. Veterans, we love veterans. If you want to teach your kids how to honor people deserving of honor, look around and find some veterans and invite them in your home. 
ask them where they served and what they experienced. We would do that, and if we found out they were in uh, the Battle of the Bulge, we'd read a book about the Battle of the Bulge before we had them over so we could ask some semi-intelligent questions while they were here. And you can't help but learn honor from them. We interviewed so many World War II vets, and we've become special friends. We continue to invite them in our home or go visit them in their home, as the case may be. One of my daughters would call them and see if she could pray for them, if they had special needs. We learned so much history as a byproduct about inviting these vets into our home. We've got um, Major Woody Wooldridge. We've got a, future, a previous podcast you can listen to where we interviewed him. And we're getting ready to interview a Vietnam vet, another Vietnam vet soon. Um, we, we've done dozens of World War II vets, which a lot of them are no longer living. But it's just been amazing. You know, invite these people in your home. Serve them. Give them a good meal. Ask questions. Let them know that you appreciate them and you honor them. It's a great way to use your home. Just recently, we met a man who works with veterans. And we're going to interview him. He, he's a Vietnam vet, and he works with veterans. And we're going to interview him soon and provide that for you in the podcast. I could go on and on for an hour or more and tell you about vets we've interviewed. We interviewed a Bataan Death March survivor. This man died a couple years ago. He was 100 years old. Our grandson Luke interviewed him. I took him to interview him. And we wrote his story in uh, Legacies of Character, the book that we wrote. It's amazing. When he was released from prison, people, the um, doctors thought he was crazy because he wasn't bitter against the Japanese. He was tortured and he went through some awful things. His job was burying the dead people, the dead guys, which every day there were more that died from that horrible mistreatment. But he said the Japanese were just doing their job, we were doing our job, I don't have bitterness. They also told him he could never have kids and he would die early. He died a couple years ago at 100 years old. He had a blessed family. It's just amazing what your kids can learn from people like this. You might want to get Legacies of Character and check out his story and others that we wrote about. It's just crazy what you learn. It's, it's inspiring. Young families. You know, having had 14 kids, we've had lots of young families approach us and want to come over and ask questions. Young moms, as I say, hold a special place in my heart. There's so many questions, so many struggles. It all seems so new. You don't want to mess your kids up. I've been there. I've felt that. People, young moms will say, how do you get everything done? How do you have time to do laundry? What do you do when the kids whine all the time? What did you do when your kids kept getting out of bed at night? Oh, boy, we had experience with that. You know, it's such a help to learn what worked and what didn't work for others so that you can help them with their struggles, and that's what I love to do. It helps even more to, to know that some of these things are normal and others experience them too, and you're not the only one going through that. You know, the needs are everywhere. I've tried to share stuff that we've actually done your family may have multiple other opportunities than we had, but ask God to show you how to practice hospitality, and he will. Strive to be a blessing to others. And I'm just telling you, you'll receive huge 
blessings in doing it. Now, as I watch my adult children practicing hospitality in their homes, my heart is double blessed. And they do. They grew up this way. It amazes me how they are constantly serving others, inviting them in their home, and being hospitable and looking for needs that they can serve. And if you raise your children in that way, they will most likely continue it when they're adults because it's just become a habit, a way of life. And it will bless your heart even more to see how you took the time to train your kids to do this and they are carrying it on and training their kids to do it. So I can't recommend it enough. So feel free to contact us. Tell us ways that you show hospitality. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week.